Welcome to Let's Talk. Here we will focus on the hustle, the juggle, and everyday struggle of small business. We will be here every week talking to small business owners about their everyday struggles, stresses, and ways they have been able to overcome the challenges of running their business. We welcome questions and comments, so please feel free to email us at admin at plemonscpa.com. We hope you enjoy, and above all, we hope it helps. Well, welcome. Thank you so much. You have joined us. My name is Thalia Williams. I am your hostess for the Hustle, Juggle, and Struggle of Small Business. We are sponsored by Pontum Financial, connecting your financial dots. Today we have in the studio a phenomenal woman. I've met her uh, about four years ago, and it has been a journey to say the least, but I am just so honored and privileged to have her here today. Her name is Esther Pipoli from Loss of Life Advocates. Welcome, Esther. Ah, Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Oh, I am so glad to have you here too. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your business. What is Loss of Life Advocates? Well, um, Lola stands for my mother's name. Um, She was my first loss in 1999. Mm -hmm. And um, I started my business in 2017 after having lost my husband and my dad 63 days apart in 2014. Really fast, really quick. Um, But I went through a lot of struggles with that process of loss. My dad was super prepared. My husband wasn't. Um, I was in the insurance industry for 20 plus years, and after going through a 840-day struggle with an insurance company to settle my husband's life insurance, um, I looked back and said, what did I learn and how can I help other people? And that's kind of how Lola was birthed. So born and raised in San Antonio, um, attended all Northside Independent School District schools, uh, went to San Antonio College and uh, graduated with a degree in communication. Um, emphasis in public speaking uh, speech at UTSA here in San Antonio. So born and raised here, really. I had a little bit of a, a short stint in Denver, Colorado, but um, for the for the most part, you know, small business started out with a, a dream and an idea, and um, it's taken people some time to kind of adapt to what I do because I'm not a funeral director and I'm not a professional counselor. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm definitely not a lawyer. I was married to one, but I'm not a lawyer. Um, so what I do is really quarterback and guide people during the scariest and saddest parts of their lives. True enough. And I understand that one of your questions is that elephant in the room. And mm-hmm. that is truly the elephant in the room. And I was just curious, and you mentioned a little bit, why this particular type of service? Why this particular type of product and service? And you alluded to it a little bit. Could you elaborate a little more? Sure. You know, when... Um, You've got wedding planners, and then when you have, um, when you're going to get married, and when you're going to have a baby, you know, you have baby showers and you do a lot around the celebration. Um, And when somebody's going to die, you've got all these people from the doctors to the palliative care team to hospice workers um, and their teams, which they do an excellent job. And then you get over to the funeral directors um, after somebody passes away. And as soon as your loved one is buried or the services are over the you know funeral director usually comes up and taps you on the back and says we'll be in touch with you as soon as the death certificates come in and you kind of walk out and I kind of call it the falling off a cliff because all of a sudden you're like well now what do I do and nobody's telling you exactly what you need to know which is you know you can't really do anything until the death certificates are are there and you have them in hand um, if your loved one didn't have a will here's what you need to do and here's where you need to go um, so really the 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 need I saw it and I felt it immensely after my dad and my husband especially my husband because he was a small business owner here in San Antonio 
um, I had to close down a law practice I knew nothing about. Like I said, I'm not a lawyer, so I was in insurance. And his business was his business, and my business and what I did with the kids was what I did. Um, But we didn't bank together. I wasn't on any of his accounts. So going through that process of what I didn't know, I realized that people really don't know what they don't know. And then all of a sudden somebody passes away, and they're like, now what do I do? So that's really kind of how the niche of this started with being a consultant. Um, And I was Googling at night after my husband died. I was you know, wake up at three o'clock in the morning. I don't know why that's God's hour. You know, maybe somebody would disagree with me, but three o'clock in the morning and I'd start Googling grief consultant, help me after I've lost my husband. Um, there are a lot of therapists out there and grief counselors and, um, but there's nobody there to say, I've got you, mm. you know, I'm going to hold the flashlight and walk with you down this really dark road, mm-hmm. but the, the lights on the other side, I promise you. Um, and, and yeah, so that's kind of where I kind of came up with the um, out of my own loss and needs and wants um, of coming up with Lola. Wow. Wow. So what have been some of the challenges in running your business? Because you are so niche specific. What have been some of your challenges you've had to contend with? Yeah. Well, in the beginning, everybody said, I do what you do. You know, the financial advisors were like, oh, I have this checklist and I already have, I do this. And I walk, you know, walk my clients through this. And, um, and I'm like, yeah, but you're just one aspect of this. And estate planning attorneys, lawyers um, would say, well, you know, we, we do that. You know, we take care of our clients. You know, we get them prepared. And then when there's a loss, we help them. And, you know, the funeral directors would say, well, we do what you do, too. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let me get something straight. I am not a financial advisor. Um, and that's great. But I'd ask the financial advisor, the attorney, the funeral director, well, with the exception of them. Um, but, you know, hospice workers, you know, are you going with your family that you're, they're a client, right? And there's a relationship there. Are you going to help them clean out a closet, shut down a business? I mean, clean out an office of 20 some odd years. Um, are you going to go and help witness a body because a widow is scared to go by herself and she doesn't want to take her kids because they're too young or she doesn't want to expose them to that? Um, are you going to, you know, step in in those scary moments with your client? And most of the time they'll say, well, no, I don't do that. And I'm like, that's exactly what I do. You know, that's where we come in and we try to give the support and the guidance around that. So that struggle was really, it took me a good two to three years of just talking and talking and talking and explaining and getting better at explaining what I do um, and differentiating what somebody else does versus what I do and how we complement each other. Um, That was one struggle. The other struggle is people um, valuing what I do. You know, so you have an attorney that charges $300 an hour. You have financial planners that charge either a percent or sometimes an annual consulting fee. And so kind of pushing um, myself into that area, it was like, well, how do I price myself? And um, how do I make it fair and affordable? And by the way, when somebody dies, everybody's got their hand out from the funeral director to, you know, the flowers to a reception to, I mean, the church. Sometimes if you're not a member of the church, they they charge to have a mass there, you know. So you've got cemeteries, all these people that are associated with death. Um, So how do I come in and, and charge a fair price? So. We've struggled with that a little around pricing because people some for some people it's not affordable and for other people it's um it's you're too low you know mm-hmm. and so it really is kind of a balance act so I would say that was um, a struggle that I've had you know between the messaging and figuring out where I fit in in the niche and then also um, you know having to figure out pricing 
and explaining to people, you know, my value. And it's taken me some time to kind of overcome both of those hurdles. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure because that's the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. So why do you persist? What drives you to keep going? Oh, gosh. You know, um, I hate to say, like, I like being in that area. You know, it's heavy. It's um, definitely not something for everybody. Uh, but I get up every morning and I think about how I felt so alone, so um, embarrassed because um, my, when my husband died, there were things I didn't know about his business. And I felt like, wow, you know, here we were married for 26 years and I didn't know X, Y, and Z. Um, I felt, you know, just isolated. And I knew that by if I wake up every morning and I felt that way for, I mean, a long time that I want to be there for those people that are grieving and they're sad and they're lonely. And I also want to be a confidential resource. You know, so what drives me is being the person that people like turn to. Um, And I guess one of my dreams in the very beginning was walking into a Jim's restaurant here in San Antonio and somebody turning and saying, that's who you go to when you, when you're going to, when you've been diagnosed with something or you've had a loss or you can't get over the grief or you have a friend that's just stuck. That's who you call because she knows how to get you to the other side. Um, and that's what drives me is I was wanting to be there. And it, it's kind of like a ministry mm-hmm. in a different way. But yeah. it is. Um, and there's some people, I mean, flat out that they come to me and they're so broken. I have partners. So I have therapists and I have people that um, are, are more seasoned and they're educated and, and, and they, you know, they're in that space that I can say I can I can help you and take you and triage you. Um, you know, it's kind of like the mom kissing the boo-boo. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, well, we really need to go to the doctor now because you need stitches or you need more more attention. So um, I can get them over to professionals. But, yeah, I just it drives me to get up every day and say, who am I going to help today? Wow. And that's amazing because I've been in that position with my mom and my dad. And it's overwhelming mm-hmm. not to have some sort of support. And you kind of go into autopilot. Yeah. It's like, okay, what do I need to do? I need to make the donuts. I need to call this person. I need <laughs> yeah. to do that person. I right. need to do this. I need to do that. But then once it's all over with, you go, Phew. then you have the reality of, oh, mm-hmm. there's still more to do yeah. because you can't claim the insurance without that death certificate. You can't close this account without that death certificate. You can't do a lot without right. that death certificate. And then when you're going to the funeral home or to the cremation place, you never know how many death certificates to order. Exactly. <laughs> you know, something simple like that because you're like on autopilot sometimes mm-hmm. or you're so numb, depending on how the transition occurred, whether it was sudden whether it was long term and with the pandemic coming, you know, you may not even have that last opportunity to say goodbye yeah. or get any information out of that. So, yeah, that that gap feeling is quite critical. I like that. We have Chris Hall from Pontum Financial here in the studio. Let's talk about business transitions. What is that exactly? Most of the business owners, whenever we meet them, they've worked for decades to build a business or a product or a service, and they never really gave too much thought to what the out is. Every business owner gets started. That should be one of the primary things that they consider. They should have different outs planned at different intervals, but let's be realistic. We don't really do that, myself included. So whenever you start to think about business transition, it's going to be one of several things. It could be retirement. It could be just wanting to get out of the business and do something else. It could be transitioning it to a family member or keeping it in the family. And those are some of the crucial conversations that you need to have with both family and yourself, frankly, to see what you want. 
Some business owners want to continue a legacy. They want that name to be carried on. So that really has an impact on sale of the business, unless it's to only family, which maybe your sons or daughters have a problem with that as well. They may not like the name. All these things run through a business owner's mind numerous times throughout the day. And most of them just never know what first step to take. Well, if we want information, how can we reach out to you? Our phone number is 210-625-4845. You can look at our websites, pontumfinancial.com, P-O-N-T-E-M financial.com, or you can find us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Chris Hall is a partner with Pontum Financial and offers securities and investment products and services through Waddell and Reed Inc. WRI member FINRA slash SIPC. Pontum Financial is a separate entity from WRI. So how critical is support to you? Um, support in which way when you say that? We talk about support. We talk about mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm. physically, financially, spiritually, mm-hmm. business-wise, support itself. Yeah. Um, on a personal level, I can say that um, support is everything, who you circle yourself with, you know, and, and sometimes people come in and out mm-hmm. of that circle. You know, you have, it's not a circle of trust, but it's just, you know, important to have your team around you and the people that drive you and that make you feel good. Um support for other people. It's good that people know that they have somebody they can go to. Um, And I learned really quickly on when my husband died, he told me, don't worry about it. You know, I've got a good team around me. There was only one person out of all of his friends and the people that officed with him that took me under their wing and said, I got you. And that was his CPA. Mm. His CPA kept me from spending, like writing checks that I wasn't supposed to write for um, his business. I mean, I was trying to keep my husband's name um, in good taste, you know, cause he was a business owner. And so there were a lot of people that were like, well, what about this? And what about that? You know, clients calling and, um, vendors that he had relationships with. So I learned really quickly on that when you go through a loss, support is super important to have, um, a team around you. And sometimes even going outside of your normal team, mm-hmm. your family team, because there are things that you've encountered that are a little embarrassing or you're like, I don't, I don't know that. So being able to come to somebody that can support you like us at Lola, um, to be able to be that trusted resource for you is important. But on a personal level, I will say that I have um, a tremendous support network that I can lean on. And I I just got through being sick and it was really nice to be able to not only have my kids and my good, my good friends, but people checking in on me, everybody wanted to feed me. And I was like, I'm not hungry, Uh, (laughs) but you find out your support network. And and, um, again, some people that were there for me, six years ago when my husband passed away, six and a half years ago um, are not the same people. You know, right. it, was, it's, it was a different support network. So it was a season. It was, yeah. You know, and like you say, there are some people that are there for a season, some are there for a reason. Right. And depending on where what their purpose is, they will either linger mm-hmm. or they'll fall off right. and disappear because their purpose has been served. So tell us a little bit about a failure that you learned from running oh, Lola. A just one. Just one. <laughs> I was like, just one. Um, I will say, and this is how you and I met. Um, the biggest failure I had was um, hiring consultants that I probably didn't need. Um, the biggest failure was that nobody, <laughs> I didn't look, I didn't know about Lift Fund until I was almost into my second or almost my third year of business. Um, I didn't know that there were a lot of small business for women resources out there for entrepreneurial women. 
And that to me was a failure on my part that I just quickly, you know, I went to one person and said, hey, I have this idea. And um, and the branding guy that I used was amazing. He still is. He's a very good friend and I, I respect him. Um, and he did a great job with my brand. But then I ended up hiring coaches that probably weren't in the right I wasn't ready. They weren't ready. We weren't ready for each other. Okay. So the, that failure of like really bringing in people at the wrong space um, and spending money on things that I probably should have waited on. And there were some people, I will say my son would tell me, I don't think we're ready for that, you know, but do what you want to do. You're the company CEO, you know? So a lot of times um, I would listen to what I thought was right at that time, but I really wish I would have leaned in to lift fund, heard about that earlier um, and been able to get there first, because I think, um, you know, Janie Barrera and her team there, you know, they do an amazing job of taking women, especially at the Women's Business Center and um, and just holding them and saying, OK, you need this, you need this, you need this, you need this is what you need to know for financial and CPA. And um, and that was to me kind of the biggest failure of not really taking the time to research my community. And that's what you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. And that is a perfect example mm-hmm. of recognizing what you don't know that you don't know. Right. And then finding it when you do find you go, you kick yourself in the head, go like, oh, I could have saved a bunch of money and time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. True enough. Wow. Well, that's good because Live Fund here in San Antonio and it's across the southern part of the country is an amazing resource for financial guidance, for grants, for education. And we are very fortunate to have Live Fund and the Women's Business Center here in San Antonio. Exactly. So kudos to them. Guys, if you're listening, kudos yeah. to you. <laughs> Many thanks over and over. Undoubtedly. So tell us about a success you've learned from. Um, learning how to be a salesperson. Mm. So my background for 20 plus years was in account management. And um, I took care of people. I had checklists. I still have checklists. Um, you know, I was the person that people went to for um, support. Uh, you know, get me through this, HR people, professionals. Uh, so, you know, learning how to ask people for money was it was hard for me. And I feel like that's been something I've been getting better at and becoming more successful at because it is really that transaction when somebody's at that point when they're sad, you know, and having to say, okay, so this is how I invoice. This is how my services work and not be afraid. In the beginning, I was giving away a lot because I just didn't know how to ask for money. The and clothes. It, the clothes, is, right? Yeah. And that to me is a big success of being able to um, to, to get that to where now I know my company is on the right track. Okay. So yeah, that was to me, that was a success. And then also all the people I've met. Right. You know, I mean, we wouldn't have met. True. Right. You know, yeah, so um, all the people that have come in my life because of the hard work and that see it because there are some days when you don't even see your own success. So um, people to remind me, you know, hey, what you're doing is good. And my daughter's always like, well, mom, you, you know, you're much better than you think. Um, so, yeah, overcoming that imposter syndrome mm-hmm. because it's super big, especially with women. You know, it's something that we have to consistently fight. So really getting better at overcoming the imposter sy- syndrome, reminding myself that I'm valuable. Um, and then also, you know, being able to associate that value with what I do and being able to ask people for, um, you know, for invoicing. Right. <laughs> Say, I, can can bill. you pay me, please? So yes. I can keep my business going. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the, the niche that you in is already difficult because emotionally they're literally strung out because they've had this loss or their person, their loved ones is getting ready to transition and they're not prepared. 
and the challenge becomes emotionally for them, where are they? And you're like, oh, well, you want something, you want something, you want something, you want something. Yes, but in order for all of those people to stay in business, they're going to ask you for something. But you need someone to help mitigate that, and that's where you come in at. Exactly. That's excellent. That's excellent. So what does success look like to you? What do you see as success? Oh, um, having people um, that train underneath me, like train more people to do what I'm doing and have them go out into the world and do what I'm doing. That to me is success, you know, really kind of growing uh, Lola in a way that organically the right people come in and they want to help people during this time, a period of, of, a, of their life and a life transition and being able to look back and say, you know, I created this little army of people that weren't there before, mm-hmm. you know, that we're serving. We're, we created something that serves a purpose um, and that I can, you know, look back and say all these people are wonderful humans. Um, and a lot of times the people that come to me, they're like, you know, I've been taking care of my parent or I've been taking care of all these people. I didn't realize this was a thing. And being able to say, you have a gift. Because it is a gift, and and here's how we can get you trained up and ready to go. Um, and yeah, success for me actually would be if um, uh, my I was able to work with more corporations because based on my own personal experience as an employee, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, my boss didn't know what to say or how to say it, and she was awkward, and I was awkward, and I have to look back on it now and think, you know, she just didn't didn't know any better. She didn't know what she didn't know, kind of again. Um, but success would be to work with more corporations for me and be able to say. Look, based on what happened to me, let me help you really make your place the best place to work. I mean, when we see we see that list that comes out with the be- yes. business journal, the best place to work. And I'm like, well, it's it's the best place to work is when there's a transition for an employee or a loss and how that employer reacts True. to it. Because if you want to keep that employee and they're valuable, you've already spent money on getting them trained up and you know, you've got equity in them. But getting them through that period of um, really difficult times mm-hmm. will either keep the employee or or if your failure to do that will make the employee leave. Well, you mentioned when and when we were off record about a situation where an employer was concerned about an employee. Could you go into that just a little bit? Um, you know, I've got several different stories because lately um, I have a, a large employer. It's a federal federal credit union here in San Antonio. And um, they call me every, almost every month. They have an employee that has a loss. And um, they actually have turned over you know, their their trust of that employee to me at that time of loss or that life transition. Um, so I've got a federal credit union here that helps with that. Um, but I recently had an employer that called me and said, I have an employee that, that she just doesn't know how to get off the floor. Like she lost her grandmother at this point. She's just been consistently coming to work and it hasn't been um, hasn't been pleasant. You know, she's kind of a disruption to the rest of the team. And so uh, they called me and said, we're... <laughs> We're wanting her to meet with you because we don't want to tell her you need to go get mental health help. We want so what they use they use me as the buffer. Mm-hmm. So I come in and I ask the employee, well, what's going on? Like, tell me, tell me why you're hurting. And then they start explaining to me, and I'm like, and this is confidential. And they start explaining to me their hurts and where they're where they're having pain. And then with their permission, I can either go back to HR or to the employer and say, here's what the situation is. Um, and they go, oh, well, we didn't even realize that. You know, especially now with COVID, right? Correct. But you have an employer um, that doesn't want to have to say to somebody, you need to access your mental health benefits. So how do you do that in a way that is gentle 
Um, and won't cause a lawsuit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's so many rules around that in laws. So they're able to use me um, and my organization as kind of that middle ground to help that person. And we either come in and we triage it and we're able to help them get access in because um, my 20 years of employee benefits background as an account manager, I'm able to word things in a way with, hey, would you be willing and open to going and talking to a professional? You don't, you don't have to. But, you know, I can get you to other resources. And 99% of the time, the employee says, well, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. But when you're in an employer-employee situation, it kind of, you know, the employee can be like, I'm fine. I'm fine, you know. Because they want to keep their job. they want to keep their job. So, yeah. But that's only one example. I mean, for me, I I was on the floor of the bathroom where I was working after my husband died. And um, my boss just didn't know how bad I was hurting. Mm -hmm. And she just didn't realize that the words that she was using were not the right words. And so it really did um, create hard, hard feelings mm-hmm. because I felt like I wasn't supported and she felt like, you well, you know, it's been like six weeks. You should kind of be over this now, you know. So, yeah, you know, she just didn't know. You right, know, again. right. And any loss, you just won't be over in six weeks, no Thanks. matter what mm-hmm. it is, because the grief is a process and everybody processes it differently. Right. There are different stages of grief. You know, you have the shock, you have the anger, you have all of those emotions, and they don't just, okay, six weeks, this emotion is going to stop, and then the next one's going to start. And 12 weeks later, that one's going to stop, and the next one's going to start. No, they come in waves. Mm-hmm. They they do, and they come in stages. And as you said, she didn't know how to handle it because she may not have ever dealt with it herself right. personally. Well, you know, and she was, um, I mean, I look back on it now because I've been, it's six years, six and a half years removed, but um, you know, I look back on it and I remember her being like, Hey, if, if and it was before my husband and my dad were really kind of sick. And she said, I'm just not the person you come to with an emotional issue. She knew her strengths and her weaknesses mm-hmm. and she called him out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she tried when I came back. I mean, it was a double loss because I'd been back and forth, you know, taking care of my dad. Then my dad died and I thought, okay, this, I'm, I'm going to be that exemplary employee now. And then my husband got sick and then it was just kind of a nosedive and, um, they just didn't know how to handle it. You know, so I look back on it and thinking, well, she just didn't know what she didn't know and she didn't know any better. Um, so, it, you know, I'm a big believer in the grief recovery method. I'm certified through them. And part of that process is forgiving people mm-hmm. for really not knowing it's 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 a different type of forgiveness. It's acknowledgement and it's forgiveness. Um, and so that's a big part of having to move past that so that I can help other employers um, see that, hey, based on what I went through, you don't want anybody to ever have to do that. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. So if you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently, if anything? Mm. Business model-wise? Yes, we'll do. We'll stick with the business model. Okay. Um, so, and somebody's probably going to steal this idea. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Okay. So if I would, I would have known I would have um, bought a storage facility. And the Lola offices would have been in the storage facility. But when a professional dies, one of the things that they're kind of um, having to do is store their documents for a certain amount of time. So my husband was seven years. Mm -hmm. So we had to find a place to store his document, his legal files um, or copies of them, you know. And so holding on to that information, people after somebody dies, and if you have to move like I did, I was in, I was not in San Antonio, I was in Denver, Colorado, his office was in San Antonio. Our home was in San Antonio. Had to sell the house, but we moved everything out of his office into the house. And then when the house sold, I had to move it from the house to another place. So it's just kind of a, you have to hold on to it in case a client calls or somebody calls and says, I need that file, right? So for most professionals, 
they have to store this doc- information. Doctors, engineers, architects, you know, dentists, um, and lawyers, just to name a few. So I would have gotten a storage unit, and I would have provided that space for professional space. Mm-hmm. And then I would have had a scanning company mm-hmm. to scan all their information so that the estate can have the information and then a shredding company to shred. Mm-hmm. So if I had to do it all over again, and again, it's a business model for somebody out there, but I would have had Lola in there because that to me is um, when I was, when Carl died, mm-hmm. I was calling up um, Marge Churchill from the bar, the bar Association here in San Antonio. And her and I said, we'll never forget each other because I think I called her 20 times. Like, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? What do I do with this? Um, and she said, we don't, we don't store. The Bar Association does not, fi- does not store files for attorneys. So when you have an attorney that passes away or an, a professional, um, th- that, that's just one of the things that you're telling the family. Okay, so where in your house do you have to move all of that stuff? Or how are you going to liquidate the business or succession plan it over to somebody else? So if I had to um, say what I, what I would have done differently, looking back, now that I know kind of more of what people need, mm-hmm. that would have been something I would have um, developed. And it would have changed things a little bit because my skew would have been a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it was like that. I, I, need, I was looking for help. You know, where do I store this stuff? You know, and it, 26 years of a law practice. Whew. Yeah, it was a full office. I'm sure. I'm sure. And amongst everything that was going on, storing files was not in the top 10. Mm-mm. Not yeah. even close. Right. Probably instinctively you knew it, but application of it amongst everything else that was going on, emotionally, physically, financially, all that sort of stuff, it's just like I got to move it from here, from point A to point B to point C, and it just didn't click Right. to store this mm-hmm. someplace. Let's just move it. Let's keep it all together because we have to. Right. Just out of the IRS mindset, mm-hmm. we got to keep everything yeah. for at least seven exactly. years. Exactly. But just the comprehension of maybe if I find a storage unit to put it in, mm-hmm. so I don't have to keep moving it all the time. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that's for even houses, like, you know, when people have to liquidate their house and, um, you know, if they have to get rid of stuff really quick. I mean, and I hate to say that, but I mean, families, you know, right now, especially with COVID, you know, if one person, um, the, if the breadwinner passes away, then the rest of the family's going, okay, can we continue to move on the way we, we did? Mm-hmm before um so it's it's there's a lot that goes there's a lot of moving pieces that go into that and that's kind of what we do at lola you know is kind of manage the loot the the pieces that are all moving at the same time and a lot of times it's um like one a, a, a teacher here in san antonio her school district um had referred her to me and um i said let me see if i can get the life insurance assigned for you at the funeral home so she gave me the funeral home i called up the life insurance company i talked to um the school district, and we were able to, I said, this is what I can take off of your plate right now. That was her most urgent thing. I just don't have the money to pay for the funeral for my husband. He had died of COVID, and I said, you know what? Let me see what I can do. And because of my benefits background, I was able to make those phone calls and get it assigned. So she didn't have to worry about it. She had to come up with the money for the cemetery, but not have to worry about the funeral because of the life insurance. So I was able to help in that situation, but people, and and she told me, that's all I need you to do is help me with that right now so I can be with my kids. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, got an email like two weeks later. If I look back on that whole thing and I didn't have to write a check. Mm. I was going to have to wait for the life insurance anyway. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just a little bit, she had to give up a little bit of a percentage, but she's like, just to have you paid for and to do that for me um, so I could be with my kids and we could grieve. That's, that's relief. That's relief right there. Mm-hmm. And for some people, that's all they need. 
you know, because of the myriad of things that are already going on, the emotional Mm -hmm. upheaval. And then when you have young children, and I'm talking about any child that's under the age of 10, Mm -hmm. not saying that the ones that are older than that are less challenging, but, you know, a lot of the ones that are under the age of 10 are not as self-sufficient as an 11 through Mm 18-year-old. So that parent who's left is like, okay, I need to focus on them as well. And then also handle the business of the death, the transition. And I need that trusted person because family isn't always it. Mm -hmm. And it does become a business. Yes. You know, after somebody passes away. I Mm -hmm. mean, because the closing down of everything becomes um, you're grieving and then it's, you know, having to make business decisions. And I will say that I made a lot of financial mistakes after my husband died just because I wanted it to go away. So I was like, it will, if I pay you money, will you go away? Oh, okay, good. Go and away. <laughs> go away. Let me write a check. And, um, and again, the CPA was the one that was like, you don't need to write them a check. They're just, you're, you're vulnerable and they're taking advantage of you. And there were people that did that to me um, after my husband died. So, again, the driving force. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally understand. So any advice for our audience? Oh, yeah, get prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we didn't learn anything in 2020. It was, um, you know, when businesses had to shut down and employees had to, like, you know, be let go or furloughed. I mean, that, that word furlough, you know, that was like a new word, right? People are like, what does that mean? Do I still get paid? No, you get to go home. Mm-hmm. And if my business opens up, then I get to pay you um, again. But, yeah, we didn't learn anything. Um, the one thing I would say from 2020 other than, yeah, you know, wear a mask and, you know, wash your hands and all the things that they were telling us to do, um, have your affairs in order. And if you um, don't have your affairs in order, then um, call somebody, call us, call call an attorney, call somebody that's going to at least get your basic will, medical power of attorney, uh, you know, financial power of attorney, and, and sit down and have the conversation with your family. Um, you know, look at where things are at. Where is everything? When people say, we've got everything, it's all prepared, I always, but, I always ask them, where's your will? Like, where's the original will? And they're like, oh, well, it's in my file cabinet. Well, who else knows that? Nobody. So, you know, so families can look for days looking for a will mm-hmm. or it's in the shoebox in the closet underneath a pile of this, you know. So it's those conversations. So I said, you know, just have a conversation, get prepared. I mean, by all means, we have comprehensive packages for people if they want to get prepared. Um, but at the same time, I always just say, just start with the basics. Sit down with your family and say, here's here's what, what you need to know in case something happens to me. And I, I just listened to a really good friend of mine. Um, a COVID survivor. He was one of the first in San Antonio that that came was hospitalized and um, went through the horrible process. You know, ICU for weeks. Um, he was. I mean, his story was just so powerful when I listened to it. And he saw, he talked about making. He made a death video. He goes, you know, I had a conversation with my wife. I knew I was going to the hospital. I probably was going to die. And I, I made a death video for my. My, my siblings, because I wanted them to know how I felt about them. Mm. And I thought, wow, how powerful. But even him, he was like, yeah, I wish I wasn't having to make that conversation, like have that conversation at that time. Um, so the, the powerful thing you can do of love for your family is really to sit down with them and say, this is kind of like a 20-minute conversation. We can go over, but y'all need to know where certain things are at. And um, for business owners especially, mm-hmm. you know, how what did you learn last year that you can carry on this year? Um, and I'd been working with business professionals prior to COVID um, and getting them prepared and having certain protocols in place and packages in place for their employees. So those people were calling me up and saying, oh, gosh, thank God. I Thank God I worked with you two years ago and um, had a little faith in you because I was a baby business um, and telling them you need to get prepared. And it was based off of my husband's my, what I did with my husband's office and um, trained them. And, and they were like, yeah, we were you know, yeah, it was still hurt 
to have to shut our doors, but it was it hurt just a little bit less knowing that we had something to go by. Gotcha. Wow. Well, tell us, how can we get a hold of you? How can we reach you oh, and get information, more information or more details? Sure. So the website, lossoflifeadvocates.com is um, the website. And then the phone number is 210-802-2224. And um, email info at lossoflifeadvocates.com. That's wow. how you get me. Wow. And I well, do answer my phone. That was yes, what, you do. Oh, yeah. That was when like, I have a coach up in New Jersey, and she uh, she was like, stop answering your phone. And I was like, no. I, I mean, sometimes I answer the phone, and I have somebody crying on the other side. And I was so for me, it's it's hard to, to let that go because um, there's nothing more powerful than being able to write call. You know, if you called up to Graham Weston's office, you're not going to get Graham Weston. You're going to get somebody before you. But how powerful would that be to be like, this is Graham Weston, or this is, you know, Whoever the CEO is. I'd be shocked at the moment, probably. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I've been trying to meet him. I'm like, he's on my list for 21, 2021 to, to, to meet. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, Esther, we're so glad to have you. We value the information you've given us, and I hope our audience takes to heart your theme of being prepared, not being blindsided. You know, uh, that elephant in the room is going to come. And they're so cute. Everybody looks at baby elephants all the time. <laughs> They're not that scary, I promise. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Well, we want to thank you for being on our show today. Oh, thank you. We are appreciated. And um, once again, if you are interested in lossoflifeadvocates.com, Esther Propoli, thank you. And we want you to have a very good day. Thank you. Stay warm. Yes. For more information about any of our guests, or if you have questions and comments, please email us at admin at And don't forget to check out our website, plemonscpa.com, for upcoming events and workshops in San Antonio. David B. Plemons CPA Inc. is providing this podcast as a public service, but it is neither a legal interpretation nor a statement of David B. Plemons CPA Inc. policy. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the Hustle, Juggle, and Struggle of Small Business podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or their concepts or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the views of David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. or any of its officials. You should always consult your own investment advisors, attorneys, and accountants before making any decisions concerning your financial matters. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact our office. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.